Luke 23 here in just a minute. Paul. 
But there were plenty of people that could not stand them. You cannot move without producing friction. A man who has no enemies is no good, Bob Jones Sr. said. If you're out there doing right, you are rubbing some people wrong with some regularity. Amen. I don't want you to do it just for the sake of being mean, but just standing for what is right will rub plenty of people wrong. And they, Jesus rubbed them wrong to the point of crucifixion. And no death before or since has so influenced and divided and torn apart the earth and the world. And in the middle of this big thing that Jesus had going that would change the world and change history in ways that we can't even fully understand, he still had time for an individual right beside him. Amen. Now, Christian, you got some big things going. You've got to provide for yourself and your family. You gotta have a good testimony. You wanna live for the Lord. You wanna help influence society the best you can in the right way. But you can still have time for a poor little individual in your life. Amen. Some help. It's something the Lord whoops up on me about ever so often. It's good to be reminded of it. So at this momentous event that only happened once, thank God. Something else is happening that is extremely common. It happens every day. Jesus, who is perfectly innocent, is receiving the punishment for the whole world, but at the same time, a couple of, uh, a couple of sinners are receiving their just punishment. Amen. Let me tell you what happens all day, every day. Sinners receive their just punishment. Amen, brother. <laughs> for the wages of sin is death... But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every day somebody dies, and it's no big deal in the grand <coughs> scheme of things. It's just a sinner getting their punishment. James 1, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin will kill you, and it happens every day. Amen. You better look out for how you're living. Yeah. Yeah. Psalm 7:11. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Uh -oh. All day, every day, you're under the wrath of God if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's right. Amen, brother. And even after you're saved, all day, every day, you're in a little trouble with Him because you're not in fellowship with Him. I've received my share of spankings from him since I've been saved, and I've told you about some of them. <laughs> this is just an everyday occurrence. The history of this man bears witness to the Bible truth. All die because all sin, and often man's death, is a direct result of his particular sin. Plenty of person has had a particular sin, and it ended up killing them happens. But the man we're going to examine today realized the great truth that a dying man can receive eternal life. That's right. But it will be through the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 11, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is on Instagram. <laughs> oh wait, I got the modern version. And this life is in video games. 
Oh, what am I reading? And this life is in ball games. And this life is in romance novels. <laughs> to hear some people, boy, you'd think that was where real life was. <laughs> some of that foolishness. And this life is in his son. When I was a young man, I loved football too much. And I saw a t-shirt one time that said, football is life. All the rest is just details. And man, I wanted that shirt. <laughs> I never bought it, but I really got that, you know. All the rest is just work details around getting to the next game. Let me tell you something. Your life is living for the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything else is just details. <laughs> if you're not busy with that, you're not really living. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. So let's look at this man a little bit more closely in this short passage. All right, first of all, let's look at the person. The person himself. He's called a thief. He's called a malefactor. It's a criminal, a thief. What do you think of a thief? What, uh, what would you think if a guy broke into your garage and stole some of your tools or broke into your house and stole some things that are valuable to you and then the uh, guy got caught using court and you sit there looking at that <laughs> How would you feel about that thief? <laughs> You'd think, boy, he's a pretty low-life guy. My goodness. Well, this is a pretty low-life guy. He's a thief. He's a criminal. He's a malefactor. Now, let me tell you about God Almighty looking at you. You have done some pretty low things in the opinion of a holy God. But you know how it's kind of personal when they break into your... I've, I've very rarely had any criminal bother me. Very rarely. And I've sometimes made some pretty foolish statements because of that. I've been locked out, of my, <laughs> locked out of my own house and mad at somebody for locking the door. And I'd say I'm whatever age I was at that time. And ain't nobody ever broke into a house I ever lived in. So what's the use of locking the door if all it does is lock me out? They don't... Nobody wants nothing of mine. But the truth is, there are criminals, and it is a good idea to lock your, <laughs> lock your house. That was just me in a moment of anger. I know that shocks you, but sometimes in a moment of anger, I've said some irrational things. <laughs> but there was one time that uh, while I was in Bible school down in Pensacola, somebody broke in my car and stole out the, uh, the stereo and couldn't listen to my music. And it was a funny feeling to know that I was just a few feet away in the bedroom window while somebody at night had broke into my car and, and stole my stereo out. I felt intruded upon or something. I don't know the words, but it was a funny feeling. It, it was odd. And it got real personal at that point. Instead of me just thinking of a common criminal, I felt like I more, much more personally had been wrong. And let me tell you something. When you do not consider the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming down here and sacrificing and humbling himself like he did for you and going through the suffering that he went through for you, it is more between you and God the Father than just a general idea that you're just a general criminal. Number one, because it's your, his law that you broke. And number two, it's his son that you disregarded and disrespected and couldn't care less that he died for you. 
really look too highly on those people, but think about how God looks at us when we're living in sin. <coughs> Furthermore, you and I can kind of identify with the sinner. Maybe we're not a thief. Maybe we've never stolen anything. But there is some area in our life, I guarantee you, we've all got some chinks in our armor. There is some area in our life where we're about as low as a thief, maybe just in a different category. Maybe in being dishonest, maybe in lust, maybe in anger, maybe in selfishness. I don't know. But I know this, everybody's sinners. And one of the disappointing things you'll find in life as you grow and get older and get to know people is even the people you put some confidence in are very much flesh. Amen. All flesh is grass. That is all they are. So this person is a thief and a malefactor, but this guy, this guy is apparently a criminal among criminals. I mean... It's true that we're all sinners, and it's true that if you put a microscope on us, you're going to find some junk you don't, you'd rather not look at. But most of us don't end up nailed to a cross, do we? That one is uh, that one's reserved for the special criminals. It, most of us are not going to be executed for a crime. I'm, I'm pretty confident. Nobody in the congregation today is going to be executed. I'm not saying you're godly. I've already told what sinners you are. But I doubt you're going to be executed. And especially such a horrible execution as this. This guy, judging by his punishment, he must have been real rough. Judging by his punishment, he must have been real filthy. Now... Maybe there's something going on in somebody's life under the sound of my voice that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've been involved in some bad criminal activity. Maybe you've been in some real dirty stuff, real horrible stuff, real mean stuff. I don't know, but I know this. This man got saved and turned to the Lord Jesus. And I don't care what you've been into, you can too. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. But it gets a little bit worse than that. This guy, a thief, a malefactor, way worse than usual, to the point he deserved to get crucified on a cross in this ancient Roman horrible manner of execution, he had been unrepentant even in the middle of that. That's right. Mark 15, 32, the Bible says the people that were mocking Jesus on the cross... We're saying, let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Man, that's pretty sorry. When you're as sorry as him, and you're sitting there ripping somebody else. Let's, uh, I'm going to read to you from Matthew 27. And get uh, just another little detail or two about it. Matthew 27, verse uh, 42. Here they are mocking him. and They're saying, verse 42, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. 
I mean, if anything, I would think the three guys on the cross would kind of band together and stand up for each other against the people that was down there doing this to them. But they sided with them against Jesus. Amen. And Jesus never had done anything wrong at all in any category. Right. Do not be surprised, Christian, when you live right and pretty much everybody turns against you. <laughs> That's the way it works sometimes. Now again, I don't want to go to an extreme here. I don't want anybody getting a poor me martyr complex and think that all day, every day is going to be all opposition and all... Listen, the Lord will show up with some refreshing blessing regularly. Amen. But the devil will too. <laughs> and the world and the flesh will too. And there will be plenty of occasions where you'll be there by yourself, at least in a, in a limited context. And here's the Lord Jesus right as he can be, and the two on either side of him are still taking the other people's side against him. He had been unrepentant. Maybe somebody under the sound of my voice is thinking, well, I would have had my chance and I turned the Lord down. This guy had to. But I will say this for him. He did have a sense of justice. When one of the thieves turned to Jesus in our text, in verse 39 of Luke 23, and said, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us, one got to thinking about what was going on and what some of them had been saying. And it says in verse 40, The other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? It's for, sometimes... It's after I had already vocalized something. It's after I had already said something that it hit me just how stupid that was. <laughs> I've got to quit being so honest. I shouldn't have said that out loud, probably. Sometimes it's after I verbalized it and said it out loud that I realized how wrong. And he was probably sitting there looking at Jesus where he couldn't even recognize him. He'd been beaten so bad. And remembered all the talk about all the miracles he did and all the good things he did and how wonderful he was and the power that was behind him when he even opened his mouth and realized how pitiful he was now and thought, I just jumped in with the people that are obviously being mad here. It doesn't take an expert in, you know, values to know that the way they were talking to Jesus and beating Jesus and mocking Jesus was not nice. I know we have to execute people sometimes, but we do it in a way that at least to us or at least to some people seems kind of humane. It's kind of, it's kind of professional. They're just being flat out mean hey. in what they're doing to Jesus. Amen. And when he jumped in with that, it occurred to him, man, I'm out of line. And when the other thief did it the next time, he rebuked him. He had a sense of justice. Furthermore, he said, verse 41, and we indeed justly. Maybe those guys had been partners in crime. Or maybe they just knew each other, you know. Business people know the other business people. <laughs> Ball players know the other ball players. 
Singers know the other singers. Entertainers know the other entertainers. They've come across each other. And criminals know other criminals. <laughs> and he knew what was going on with that guy. He knew what he had been involved in. One of the great truths, it's not, it's not scriptural, but buddy, it's next unto scripture, is birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> they know one another. So he had a sense of judgment, uh, justice, and I'll tell you this, he moved at an opportunity for forgiveness. Oh, that blesses my heart. When he saw, here was this good person, and he was right here, he said, I'm going to take advantage of this. He probably didn't go to synagogue, didn't hear Jesus, and he probably didn't go to those places where Jesus was giving those great discourses. But lo and behold, in his filthy life in his horrible moment he suddenly found himself beside Jesus and he said you know what I'm not letting this opportunity go to waste Amen. That's good. there are plenty of people that find themselves in times of great crisis great health problems jail getting beat up mugged money stolen from them fired from their job, their family splitting up, great times of heartbreak, and as that old song says, during those times standing somewhere in the shadows you'll find Jesus Amen. and sometimes that's a real good time for you to get right, in fact sometimes that's the very reason the Lord lets you get in that mess so you would do nothing but give him honor and glory for getting you out of it. And this guy is in a mess. It looks like any bystander sitting there looking at him would think, well, boy, this is the worst point of his life. And it was the greatest point of his life and Amen. the turning point of his point. eternal life. Amen. Amen. The thing that brings you close to Jesus is the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. Amen. He moved an opportunity for forgiveness. You know what scares me is how many people right here in the Bible Belt South hear the Bible preached and taught and sung about and talked about and witnessed for and couldn't care less about it. This sorry thief on the cross dying for probably some unspeakable crimes that would make our stomachs turn was better than some people that sit in church pews in the Bible Belt. He at least knew to make things right with Jesus when he had a chance. That's the person. Now let's look at the place. Where is he? Well, he's with his peers. He has just come through the justice system. <laughs> he has just come through the legal system. There are certain people, I've been in uh, court from time to time when people didn't pay their debt or wrote us a bad check and some things, and I have observed them, and it's, it's pretty obvious that these people have been here before. <laughs> they just have a certain look on them that uh, they have a hard time keeping rules. <laughs> I'll, I often laugh to myself when people go, ah, oh, Christianity isn't a bunch of set of rules. Christianity is a relationship. Well, amen, that's true. 
So let me tell you something. There's a lot of rules in this Bible. Amen. 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 And I've been in courtrooms, and I've seen people that hate keeping rules. <laughs> and they stay in trouble all day, every day. And if you want your Christian life to be like their legal life, <laughs> just go ahead and break all the rules and just worry about the relationship. The Lord puts the two together, as we've preached many times. Uh, you can just tell, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll even say this. I had a roommate at Bob Jones University you now. So <laughs> you want to talk about rules. So we had some rules back there. But I had a roommate, he just didn't even bother trying to keep any of them. He, uh, he didn't last through the first year. <laughs> I don't remember everything, but one of the last, I'm not even going to tell. <laughs> he, uh, he, he just broke all of them in about every category. And if they had one, it was almost as if he was purposely trying to break them all. It was like he was trying to get shipped home. And, they shipped him home. <laughs> and some Christians, it's almost like they're trying to keep the Lord mad at him, and they keep him mad at him. <laughs> and uh, this guy was with his peers, and uh, that's who he was comfortable with, and he came through the justice system with them, and he came through the legal system with them, and lo and behold, he ended up on a cross with them. He's with his peers. Let me tell you something. Every one of us belongs with our peers. We're sinners, and yeah, we're sinners in different categories, and we have to come from a different background, so it would be in a little different area, but we're, we're a mess, too. Amen. And, uh, you know, it'd be like one criminal saying, well, I killed one person because they had stole from me. This other one, he killed, you know, 15 people, that some of, many of which he didn't even know, so he's a worse criminal than me. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. You're both in real bad trouble. Amen. Maybe you can find some little justification why you think one sinner's worse than you. Uh, Jesus had to die on the cross for all of it. Yeah. I'm not saying all sin is exactly equal, because Jesus didn't say that. He said, yeah, they that delivered me unto thee have the greater sin. So Jesus did, did admit there is a greater sin. He did put some, he did put some uh, degrees on it, but it's still pretty bad. Yeah. It's still bad enough Jesus had to die on the cross. So he's with his peers. He's in the worst possible condemnation. All right, I would have a hard time thinking of a worse condemnation than this. You know, some people say the electric chair is a real good, uh, humane way of executing somebody, and somebody else says, "Oh no, 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 it doesn't work sometimes." And the poor person suffers there for a few seconds before they die. And other people say the, the guillotine, you know, because it just chops your head off immediately. That's that's real humane and. Other people say, oh, no, 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 as long as some blood's still going to the brain, you still live there for a second or two. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor. Who knows? But I'm pretty sure Roman crucifixion is up there with most any of them. Right. And if he's already been condemned to that and already on a cross, I'm pretty sure he's in about the worst condemnation or at least one of the worst that this world's ever known. Uh, I'm sure he's in the worst possible pain you can imagine. I don't know exactly how he was fastened to the cross. A lot of times in the pictures, you know, it'll have Jesus nailed to the cross, but it'll have the thieves just roped to the cross. I don't know. I can't find a verse that tells me any of that. But I, I know Jesus was nailed. It says nailing it to his cross, talking about our sins. So I assume Jesus was nailed there. Um, so I would think that the thieves were similarly uh, fastened up there is my best guess. 
Uh, but he was in pain, be that as it may. Uh, it's not comfortable to be up on the cross. Uh, I'll tell you something else. He is in the most sure death. I was fussing with my kids this weekend, watched a movie that had some good uh, lessons in it, and somebody dies at the end. And they said, you had us watch a movie where somebody died at the end? I said, honey, everybody's life, they die at the end. <laughs> you may as well get ready for that. But uh, there are some times that your immediate death is way more sure than others. And if you're up on a Roman cross, uh, your immediate death, <laughs> your death is pending, I assure you. You are right on the verge of it. And uh, furthermore, you are almost out of time. In fact, you're pretty much out of time. Amen. There's not going to be time for you to go make a public profession of faith at church the next Sunday. There's not going to be time for you to go get baptized. There's not going to be time for a lot of things in life that you ought to take care of. So the person is this thief. The place is right there with his peers in this terrible condemnation and the worst possible pain and the most sure death and almost out of time. You know, you, if you wanted to argue that there's somebody that really doesn't have a chance, you can make a pretty good argument. This guy is pretty much out of his time and out of his chances, and he still turned to the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you what I advise you to do at whatever stage of life you're in. Turn to Jesus. Amen. I don't care if you do think it's too late. Amen. Now let's look at the prayer. Verse 42, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Now that was a short but meaningful prayer. Did you know prayers don't have to be long and flowery to get the attention of God? There are things you can say that turn things quickly. And I can think of this in many categories. There have been people that just struck up a conversation and one made one little comment. Made the other person despise them and they don't want nothing to do with them. Or they made one little comment and built a bridge between the two and they had a great friendship. I've told you before about my cousin that's a good businessman, I think. Asher and Sean got to know him just a little bit here recently, and he was trying to make a big business deal with the big business down there out of Chattanooga, and uh, <clears throat> having a long conversation, and, you know, it was okay, but nothing was going great. And he said, well, as Josie Wales once said, and he gave some little thing, and this guy liked the movie that has that character of Josie Wales in it. Boom, he was sold. <laughs> and uh, our family's still reaping the benefits of that short comment. <laughs> there have been romantic things where just one little thing said and just won the person's heart. I mean, there have been things where Dr. Ruckman was up preaching one time when I first got down there. And uh, he was talking about how the Lord can change your life. And there was a guy sitting there not paying any attention, you know, just thought, this is another dead church service. I've done my duty being here. And he said, he can make you an instrument like uh, a guitar played by such and such. And it's been too many years. I don't even remember who the musician was. But it happened to be a musician that that guy liked. And as soon as he said that guy's name, boom, his ears perked up. He started listening, heard the gospel, got saved, and his life changed. Amen. You'd be surprised what a how powerful a short comment can be. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, how much more if you're talking to the God of the universe that has all power? You don't need a big, long, flowery thing. <coughs> Just talk to God and get Him on your side. Now, I'm all for long prayers. The more you talk to God, the better. The closer you and Him get, the better. But don't think that a short prayer doesn't have life-changing, eternity-changing power. Amen. He said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. It was short but meaningful. It was spiritual in its object. Now, I'm not against praying for the sick. I'm really not. I'm not against praying for some money to come in to pay a bill. I'm really not. We pray for all those things in, in prayer meeting here. This prayer was so powerful because it was spiritual in its object. i got to admit, if I was up there nailed to a cross, <laughs> my prayer would have been, uh, Lord, get me off of this thing. <laughs> or alleviate some of this pain. Or have them bring me some Gatorade. <laughs> I'm dehydrated up here. Or something. You know what he was thinking? He was already thinking about the other side. Right. He was thinking about that kingdom mm -hmm. that was being brought in. It was something spiritual. Listen, in your talking to God, don't just pray to get better from your sickness, although, yes, that should be one of your prayers. Don't just pray for more money, although that's fine to pray that, that the Lord will provide a need. That's fine. But be sure, because God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's eternal. He's concerned about eternal, spiritual things. Make sure you talk to Him about that quite a bit, too. It was spiritual in its object. I'll tell you something else. It was repentant in its attitude. Here was the same guy that had been casting the same mockery in his teeth, it says. And all of a sudden now, he's standing up for the Lord Jesus. It is real good to make a turnaround and tell God you did so. It is real good to make it clear to the Lord, I have changed. God, you got a hold of me. You changed me. He prayed, he prayed in a repentant attitude. I'll tell you this, this is important. It was full of faith. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. At that moment, Jesus didn't look like somebody that was bringing in a kingdom. Amen. He didn't even look like a man. Right. He didn't look like he had any power or strength at all. He was about bled out, I guess. That's right. His face didn't look like a human. He wasn't real handsome to start with, we don't think. He did not look like somebody that was bringing in a kingdom, and this guy believed. Yes. Oh, based on what? The only thing I can say is he had heard some words. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Put your prayers up to God in a way that shows him you believe what his word said. Full of faith. He said, and we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Well, he hadn't followed Jesus around all day, every day. He didn't know that experientially. He knew it by faith and what he had heard. He, he believed it, but saw no evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It was full of faith. But it was sincere. I'll give him that. He meant it. I mean, it'd be a crazy thing if, 
If you really thought Jesus was guilty and you really thought he was that powerless, it would sure be a waste of time to ask him to let you have a part in a kingdom, wouldn't it? I mean, he had to really believe it. I'll give him that. He was sincere. And boy, was it effectual. You know why it was effectual? Effectual means it worked. It had the desired effect. You know why? Because it was to the right one. Now, Asher's a fine young man. But unless he's got something going I don't know about, he does not have a million dollars in his bank account. If you need a million dollars today, it probably isn't going to do you any good to go ask Asher for it. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have it. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't know his business. I haven't seen his bank statement. Maybe there's something going on I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that would be the wrong one to go to. And unless you think Jesus has got the goods, that's the wrong one to ask to save you. But he knew Jesus could get him into that kingdom. He went to the right one. You know how to make your prayers effectual? Then you go to the right one. Amen. Uh, there are plenty of people all over this world and they're praying to a bunch of different gods. Some of them praying to, uh, you know, the patron saint of this or that or the other. No, you, you pray to the Lord. You go to God. And God the Son makes intercession for you and God the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you. Because I admit, it's scary. You, you, I, I hate to refer to a silly old Hollywood movie. But you remember the Wizard of Oz, how scared they are when they go up before the, the great and powerful Oz? Well, do that times about 500 when you approach the throne of God. Amen. He's real. He's not faking it. But when you go to approach Him, up comes God the Son on one side interceding for you, and the Holy Spirit on the other side interceding for you. Ah, that makes it way better. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then you get to remember that you can plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as your basis for being there. Wow! All of a sudden, no wonder we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Not because we're good enough. But because He's the right one. That's the prayer. Now let's look at the power. The power. The first thing I notice is it was immediate. I mean, it had to be, didn't it? Jesus didn't have much longer to be here. Right. He was about gone. But let me tell you, God can answer immediately anyway. Yes. And, and one I'll guarantee you he'll answer immediately is you saying, Lord, save me. When Peter was on the, getting ready to sink and he said, Lord, save me, boom, all immediately he was taken care of. That Lord saved me. You, you get tired of the Lord asking the Lord for stuff and having to wait on Him to answer it? <laughs> well, Lord saved me. You don't have to wait on Him, thank God. And He said, Remember me when you're coming in your kingdom, verse 43, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I'll tell you something else. The power was merciful. This thief had no claim to it. Did he have any right to say, Alright, I need to be in this kingdom no, he was scum, as we would call him. He was guilty. He was a criminal. He had no claim. He had no right. It was just the Lord's mercy to include him in this. But I'll tell you something else. It was sure. When Jesus Christ says something, I'm real sure it's going to happen. 
There, there is not the least question in my mind. You know what people are looking for? They're looking for somebody they can trust. And you know who that is? Not one human being on the face of this earth. The most golden-hearted man or woman you've ever met with the best of intentions may tell you that they're going to do something and bless their hearts. They, have, they may have every intention of it, but they may die of a stroke for they can. They may die in a car wreck for they can. They may forget it. They may have been just as sincere as they could be and still let you down. Let me tell you who can't do that is God. When Jesus said it, it was sure. And just in case we had any question, look at the words he opens up with. Verily I say unto thee. Verily means truly. The Spanish word is verdad. V-E-R, just like our very. I mean, it means truly. It means surely. Just Jesus saying it would have been enough. But just to double it, he says, Verily I say unto thee. But not only that, it was super abundant. In other words, it was more than that guy could have hoped for. Uh, now, if he had said, Lord, get me off from crucifixion and let me just have life imprisonment. You know, that would have been a big change. A lot of people would have been real thankful for that. But he got something way better than that. He got paradise. It's a Persian, uh, it's a word of Persian origin, they tell us, meaning a garden of pleasure. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Up on that cross, he was not experiencing anything close to a garden of pleasure. <laughs> to tell a man dying on a cross, about to thirst to death and about to bleed to death, and in the worst pain of his life and the worst dread of his life and the worst shame and embarrassment and mockery of his life that he's about to go to something like a garden of pleasure just doesn't make any sense. But there was more of it. Look at his answers in verse 43. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He gets to be with Jesus. Right. What if some famous person that you admire and have always looked up to said, I'm coming over and going to supper with you. You're coming over to my house and staying a couple of days. Wouldn't you be honored? Wouldn't you be on the phone telling your kinfolk and your friends? This guy, this scum of the earth, gets told, you're going to a garden of pleasure. You're going to paradise with me. Amen. You're my guest. Good night. Hey, why is there anybody not saved? Why would you not take that deal with Jesus? Amen. I don't care if you are in the Bible Belt and think you're surrounded from a good Christian home and a good Christian church and a good Christian country. Why don't you want to be with Jesus? It's with Christ. Furthermore, he says today. Not only his salvation, but his reward began immediately. He didn't have to go through the heartbreak of seeing people forsake the Lord and forsake him and turn on him and let him down and disappoint him. He was going that day. That's the power. So what have we seen today? We've seen one of the worst sinners get the best grace possible. So you know what that reminds me to say? Don't let one single sinner despair. If this guy can get in, you can too.
Amen. That's good. But this is the only case in all of Scripture, as I remember it, that somebody gets saved this close to death. So don't you presume. Don't you tell me, okay, well then, right while I'm on my deathbed, I'll turn to the Lord like this guy now that I know I can do that. Yeah, well, it may not be a deathbed. It may be a death airplane. <laughs> it may be a death car. It may be an immediate death on a sidewalk somewhere. You better not presume and say, well, don't, don't worry, I'll get the last rites. You may not get the last rites. Amen. So don't you presume. But we saw the way of salvation is trusting in Jesus, and Jesus alone to get it to you. And we're reminded of that great truth that physical death puts you in the presence of God. It is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. Who's the judge? That's why we call it going to meet your maker. Plenty of, plenty of people in the secular world call it going to meet your maker. You know why? Because deep down they know that scriptural Amen. truth. Amen. But we Christians have this comforting truth. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. Your Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll take the truths here.